So now, good morning. Morning. What's today's topic? Um, I don't have one off the top of my head. Do you have one off the top of your head? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for asking. <laughs> no problem. Do you ever feel like you're doing everything, but you're not making any headway at all? Do I ever feel like I'm doing everything and not making any headway at all? So for me, that is making me think of times that I'm very, very, very busy, but somehow not getting a sense of achievement. I suppose you could frame it like that. Yeah. Does that? Totally. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I can relate to that, um, but I think I've been fortunate that despite the fact that I have been very, very, very busy for a lot of years, I have had a sense of achievement because I guess in a, in smaller senses of achievement, I've had essays marked back. For example, I've had client feedback. And so all of these are little bits of of information that go into me that say, yes, you've achieved what you're planning to achieve. Okay. And then a bigger way, I know that I've been working towards something, I've been working towards my degree. And so I think I've been fortunate up until now to have been very busy, but with the sense of achievement that I've needed, and up until now, whereas now I don't have that anymore. Ooh. Okay, so where do you go from there? I don't know, Andrew. Where do I go from there? <laughs> where do we go now? Where do we go? Well, where do you want to go from there? <laughs> I mean, that's it, isn't it? Probably you've cracked the nail on the head there. It's all about choice. It's all about choice. And now to use that very kind of existential approach to exploring this situation... I am now free from having the maybe the restraints or the routine or the parameters which gave me the meaning, gave me the sense of achievement. But within that freedom, I have this responsibility to choose. And there is something really maybe daunting about that, especially after so long in education and so long with these senses of achievements just being handed to me so do you not feel like the summit is your next thing or do you just not count that because it's like it's being created now you're just doing the last little bits to for once it's ready to be released it's a really good question because i mean that should be a very obvious um thing to achieve to get that sense of achievement from you're right uh you know january the 3rd to the 7th i'll be running the global existential summit but like you've said it is pre-recorded interviews so that's all neat and tidy the ticket sales are something that i should start to focus more on although i've already got nearly 500 people signed up for it and this is more than perhaps my target was so maybe what we're going to talk about now is targets and do does our sense of achievement come from creating and meeting a target and i suppose for me i have all i have quite from quite a young age i set myself low targets 
because I realised that the sense of achievement was made up. It was a myth. It wasn't only that you could get a sense of achievement if you achieved a massive thing, which they taught me as a young kid, if you don't get an A star, then you're rubbish. And for a while I really did buy into that, and I fought my way to getting A stars and felt highly disappointed when I didn't. But I realised, you know, later on, but still quite a few years ago, that actually just just being, just achieving anything, can you can still feel like a great sense of achievement if you let it. So I set the bar low, as the phrase would say. I set the bar low so that I would feel proud of myself, or perfectly content at least, if I achieved anything. And generally speaking, I reckon, because because the pressure wasn't there, and because I was trying to achieve goals which I knew were aligned with me and were part of my capability, I did achieve those goals, and I achieved them well. In a way that I don't think I would if I had had the pressure of, you must be perfect. Because mm. I, don't, I don't think I had that. For me, it was just all about just, just trying your best. And I think... I. Th- I, th- I I don't know. I find it, I find it tough looking back at it and thinking, mm, did I actually do my best, or maybe I did my best with the current circumstances at hand and dabbling in and out of depression. And I think I always look back at my heart myself quite critical, like quite hard. But I don't. I don't know. I I'm just trying to think. I think I think when I look when I look back at what I think I've kind of accomplished. I did a lot of different things. Played the saxophone, I tried karate, I tried judo, I played tennis for a while, picked up golf for a while. They all kind of just faded out. I never really got heavily pushed into doing something and then committing to it and really going hard for it, even if I don't like it. Okay. And I think that's kind of given me the freedom into adulthood where if i don't like something i just won't do it yes which is a blessing and a curse because i think there are things in life that you have to do that you just don't like yes like doing your needs instead of just constantly going after your wants yes and i I feel that at the moment i feel like i'm my my needs aren't up to scratch i've been paying too much attention to my wants and not maintaining my needs so i'm going back to basics this week and just focusing on on completing the task in hand. The reason the reason I initially asked the question um was because that's what I'm feeling at the moment is that everything I'm I've got so many different projects going on that I'm not I'm more concentrating on just getting them done than on the quality of the work that I'm doing. And it's so easy to catch yourself out with that and not realise you're doing it until it's too late. So what I'm doing at the moment is just instead of having targets per day is just understanding what my biggest anxieties are, what I've kind of been doing but not doing properly, what I've been doing but with a frame of mind of just getting it done instead of consciously being aware of what I'm doing while I'm doing it. I completely, completely resonate with that, that idea of just doing something with the main goal to be it being done rather than doing something with the main goal of I am immersed I am part of this moment I am part of this experience 
Yeah, and it's it's quite it's a shame because you kind of you get stressed, you see so many things going on, you want to just get shit done. But when you're doing that, you're 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 taking that time away from you where you're reacting to it instead of acting on it. And I think I've been reacting to a lot of situations instead of acting on them. So it's it's quite nice. I'm quite happy that I've kind of caught myself out doing it, and it's it's slowed everything down. It's made me kind of realize, okay. I don't need to rush these things. It's more important of getting them done properly than just getting them done. And it's it does do feel a lot of weight off my shoulders. As soon as I realised it, as soon as like shit, I'm, I'm this is what I'm doing. My whole energy changed. Everything was suddenly like oh, just caught myself out. Everything just stopped. My perspective on everything stopped. My stress disappeared. Um, I managed to see things clearer. And it was just like okay, I need to catch myself here figure out what it is that I need doing, figure out what it is, how and what I want to achieve here, and how I want to have it done, to what level. And then that's what I'm focusing on this week. I've got about three or four pretty pretty big tasks that just need, they just need a lot of elbow grease and a lot of time and attention to detail. And hopefully kind of what I'm going to try and, um, try and get accomplished this week. Whereas I was doing the same thing before last week and, uh, and the week before that, where I just tried to bosh out as quickly as possible and realized I wasn't getting the return on it that I was expecting because I suppose I, I wasn't respecting it um and if you don't respect something then you're not going to get out of it what it is that you that you feel like you deserve and I think sometimes it's quite easy to go in life of constantly doing that of just trying to concentrate on getting something done instead of the quality of it and what you still what you'll realise is that you're just spreading yourself too thin and then anything you're putting yourself any energy you're putting into anything is just gonna be on the level of getting it done instead of to any quality and you'll just be left with heaps of shit things. Or, or heaps of things that could be at a different quality because I think it's it's, it's Yeah, important. you can always go and change it. I'm yeah, not saying I, that's that for definite. Yeah, but. and I think it's really important to for me to add here that it's it's not about demonizing yourself or your work or your what you've produced when you are in those states because this is something that I have reflected on a lot more recently and I I feel that for years everything that I have done has been how you've just described has been in get, doing enough to get it done but not actually feeling like I'm part of it, actually giving my all to that project, whether that is a piece of art, the art that I've just sold and commissioned, I those six pieces were really rushed through, whether it was my essays for university, again, anything creative, I think it can... When is the ever? When is it ever finished? But I know for sure that what I did is I wrote in a way to pass. I didn't write in a way to write the best essay that I could. Mm, okay. Yeah, I think my client work actually is something that is not that. I am fully there, fully immersed in each and every second of each and every session. When you're with your clients, yeah, yeah and I'm with you, and I, I, and that's it's such a nice place to be because you you got to be conscious conscious of that and it's interesting that you can still do it and do it as a profession but then you can just so easily catch yourself out with that with other parts of life yes friendships too relationships yeah. too how many people are saying oh my relationship isn't 
you know, where I would like it to be. But actually, if you were to make, let's say, a pie chart, because it's the only part of maths that I could tolerate was anything that you got to colour in <laughs> different sections. And related to food. <laughs> yes, yeah, true. Um, you know, if you made a, a, a graph of the amount of time that you're dedicating to your relationship and improving it or working on it or nurturing it in comparison to the rest of the where your time and effort and focus is being spent, well, probably it's a slither. Mm -hmm. And then you sit there and wonder, oh, why is this really big part of my life not getting nourished and developing in the way, well, are you nourishing it? Who's supposed to nourish it? Only you are going to change your relationship and the way that you're experiencing it. The other person, it's almost irrelevant because if you're in a relationship, you're you're with that person however they are. You're loving that person, being with that person however they are. So what, what do you think starts you going down that route of wanting to get shit done instead of putting effort into concentrating on doing it properly? I know that my lens is biased because of the work that I do, the focus on trauma that I have in my career and in my personal life, but I would address it from a place of safety. And I think that when we are safe within ourselves, within our world, having the needs met, as it were, to use a phrase that you helpfully use a lot, I think then we are able to immerse ourselves to be in the moment because it's quite meditative really isn't it you mm. can experience it as quite meditative i am going to be in this painting and i am going to focus and appreciate and feel every single stroke of paint that i choose and really really choose the colors and really sit with it in comparison to right i need to create a painting i know approximately what it's going to look like bush 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 right into the next one and to an extent that's what i did so i would say definitely it comes from a place of safety and if we're not feeling safe and we're not feeling calm and we're not feeling nourished and we're under lots of pressure and we're being critical to ourselves, and we've got other influences maybe external influences as well saying you need to be getting this done why are you not getting this done that's that's really unsafe really intense place to start from and that's when we're going to run around and rush through it because you know, it's it's like an animal. It was a discussion that we that we had the other day about this, and I, I've always found self care difficult to do because I've always had the kind of attitude of just making headway and then fixing yourself up later. You told me to be more kinder to myself, and I asked why. Why should I? No, you said why should I? Why should I? <laughs> Yeah, because for me, when I'm when I'm in yeah. that when I'm in that frame of mind, somebody saying, "Oh, be kinder to yourself," like you you got to put yourself first. You think, "No, I fucking don't. I've got a problem here, and I need to get a solution to it." End off. If it's a problem, yeah, okay, be pissed off about it, or be angry about it, or, or be worried. I don't think it's healthy to remove those emotions when you're feeling them. And I feel when you are trying to pull yourself out of it and be like, no, it's okay, be kind to yourself. That's not what I think I need. What I need is to find a solution to this problem and get it dealt with. So when you're feeling pissed off and frustrated at a situation, 
being kind to yourself feels like it's invalidating the pissed offness. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like you're honouring what is truthful to you. Well, I think when you're in a heightened state, such as when you're stressed, your priorities change. Yes. Where you're kind of preparing for war. You've got something that you need to tackle on and you've got to make sure that you can beat this thing. So for me, the whole nurturing inner parent sits down and it's the critical parent and the adult that step up and be like, right, let's get shit done here. What's going on? What's damage has been done? Where are the weaknesses? What are the potential red flags? What are our solutions? What can we implement here? And then where do we start? What's the most important one? Let's go, 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 go. And I just don't feel like there's a place for my inner child or my inner parent to to have a voice during that stage. And I'm going to continue with the metaphor that you use about preparing for war, okay? So if you are... Let's picture a proper battle scene, like let's Mm. go medieval on this. If you picture... The leader of the army. Let's call him Steve. Let's say Steve. That is, yeah, they were all called Steve. So Steve is there about to leave the army. Would you prefer Steve to be in the frantic state like, Oh my goodness, where did I leave my horse? Oh goodness, I've I've got a knife and fork instead of my sword. Oh goodness, I'm freaking out. This is so intense. Oh no. Oh, Brian, where's my, where's my armor? Oh goodness. Yeah. Like, would you prefer Steve to be in that state of mind? Or would you have preferred him to have been sat down, strong, well-fed, maybe at a bath, probably not. No, probably Steve wasn't into baths. But, you know, well-nourished, well-slept, well-rested, you know, have all his armour laid out, have his knife and fork, no, his sword polished and ready or whatever i like i'm losing it now because like to be like full disclosure i've not actually led a medieval battle (laughs) um but you understand where i'm coming from. i do yeah i I don't think i don't think i'm coming from a place as frantic as steve i think it's more putting yourself you know russell crowe and gladiator where you want to put emotions aside focus on what needs doing and go to war but i would argue that that also is still putting yourself in a slight in in a calm in a focused in a stable grounded state of mind when you are able to focus and if you're gonna you know we can label it as putting your emotions to the side Mm. either you're putting them to the side or maybe you're mastering them you're feeling that you're in control of your emotions instead of them controlling you so that stress instead of the, the stress being the one that's in control for you to be able to master the stress and to to be in control of your emotional state for you to be the master of the next steps and you think you can only do that if you're being kinder to yourself i'm never going to bow down in an argument which relinquishes self-care yeah totally i have so many not arguments with clients but I clients roll their eyes at me and go and I say I, what am I supposed to, what am I going to say now and they're like oh self care yeah, I know I know you're about yeah, to say yeah. that I think what it is is my mind is very in absolutes so it doesn't mean that you can only put everything aside and just put on some comfy slippers make yourself a hot chocolate sit down with yourself give yourself a hug it's actually just 
looking after yourself so you've got more energy to do the things that you need to be doing. Where you can be kind to yourself but still go to war. And I think when I'm in my mental frame where everything's either very white or very black or everything's very bright or very dark, um, it's understanding that there's a middle ground where... Like you said from the beginning, you had to push yourself to get all these A stars where you had to really go, 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 go. That it's fine to chill out and get your C's and B's. And I think I struggle to keep that in mind that you can have both. You can still be tough on yourself, but kind as well. It's not only one or the other. And I think I struggle to do that. I think a lot of people struggle mm. to do that. And and I also want to pick up on how you described self-care there. So you're like, I need to go, go, go. And it feels counterintuitive. It does not feel right to go and put on some slippers and have a hot chocolate as if self-care had to be the fully, fully, coddly, nurturey self-care yeah. rather than... And it's in, in my head, my psychologist head is like, is that what you're needing right now? Like, do you really need to go back to the completely nurtured and calm before you can then kind of stretch, wake up, put down your, your cup of hot chocolate because you are finally warm and cozy and then go on to the next chapter that can still be about self-care, but it might be about going to the gym or running or starting to make those lists and starting to feel more yeah. empowered and encouraged. Yeah, self-care is more, I guess, an attitude as much as it is a physical activities, right? Yeah, totally. Self-caring. Totally, yeah, yeah. And I, I guess it's also, I feel like it's valuable also kind of from the perspective of someone that is involved with healing others or supporting others is a, a strange part of it is to be able to let go and to say, that's your choice. I can't force you to see the value of respecting yourself, honouring yourself, being kind to yourself, nourishing yourself. But I I come from a perspective and a belief that that's what's necessary, but I can't force that mm. on anyone. All I can do is offer, and this is where my kind of concept of existential offerings that project comes from, is I can just offer that to you. I can offer this understanding to you and maybe you will take it maybe you won't maybe you know a month later a year later you'll go actually I've put it together and it does make sense or maybe in 20 years time you'll come back and you'll be like ha ha I have not self-cared all this time and I am king <laughs> ma 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 yeah. like we don't know it's just an offering yeah and that's the beauty of it isn't it you you'll take from it what it is you think you'll need it's only if you really grasp it that you will that once you do take it on board that it actually holds any value and what I find interesting with stuff like that is that, for instance, Lindsay, my partner, could tell me something for weeks, just trying to get this point in, and I won't get it. And then I'll talk to like a stranger about it, and they'll say the same thing. I'll be like, oh, yeah, that totally makes sense. I'll go and do this. And then Lindsay would be like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. I've been telling you this for weeks. Obviously, that's not what she sounds like. Um, <laughs> she doesn't sound like a cartoon, does she? <laughs> no, <laughs> okay. No, but she does. She really. She. she I. I. I can see the frustration in her because it. It is something that she's been, um, telling me for weeks. But she'll be telling me, and it. It just won't. Won't absorb. And I've. I've spoken to this with other people, that if you've got somebody who's nearest and dearest to you telling you something, it doesn't hold as much value as it does if it comes from a stranger. 
right? And that's why it's also so important when you're a coach or a therapist that in a way you stay a stranger to your clients. Yes, yes. Interesting that. And it is a phenomenon that has been recognised, what you describe with Lindsay. It's it's depicted in a lot of movies and uh, yeah. TV shows as as well. And it's can it can be genuinely frustrating and horrid when you're in that situation, maybe. But, but you can also see the humour in it in the way that it is depicted. And I think you do really reveal one of the reasons why that might be is is the fact that when someone is very very close to you the way that you're experiencing their wisdom and depending on that relationship it's different i also wonder whether it has to do with exposure so let's say lindsay is exposing you to this concept for a few weeks and and is coming from one source for you okay and then suddenly it comes from another source. And rather than the power being the fact that it came from a stranger, maybe it's the fact that there's your experiencing that synchronicity and you're like, ooh, okay. It is true. It is yeah, true. I, I don't know. Yeah. It's just an idea. It is. It is. And it's, it's the same. It's the same if you have a team. It's the second in command who's usually the one that's able to sway the team or the army into following the leader or not. And it's the same in in research, you know. You can have somebody can say something or write something really profound, but it's only when somebody references that book or that, that article that suddenly it holds value. So concepts, are they inherently meaningful and valuable, or do they only have meaning when we give them meaning? Say that again. Think of something that is valuable to you. Let's say money is an obvious one, or jewels. Are we talking stuff Treasure, like, anything. Like it cheese? can be a word, or cheese, for sure. Let's say cheese. So, okay. obviously, cheese is well known to be one of the most valuable items on the entire planet, and in, indeed across multiple universes. I've heard that too. Yeah. But is cheese, because it's cheese, valuable? Or is cheese only valuable because the whole human existence and all animals and all that ever was and all that ever will be values cheese? Hmm. So you're saying does it only hold value because we give it value? Exactly. Right. Um. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's so funny because this is like a really <laughs> massive philosophical debate, and I really love how you answer it. It's like yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, cheeses. So you'd say that people ideas are I th I inherently. Think, I think valuable. a lot of, uh, I mean, valuable and what gives a value is such a subjective thing because there's Swarovski, the diamonds, yes. right? They the reason why diamonds hold value is because there are containers and containers full of diamonds that have been hoarded, but. They release them slowly out in the market to keep the prices high. So there's scarcity with it. There's a high demand for it because there's not a lot of it available. Whereas something like... Um, something that's really valuable to us, like... I don't know. I don't know where I was going to go. I know this. where you're saying, and this is so important, this is really interesting, is that... There's something about there's something about things being incredibly value valuable 
because they're finite, because they are not surplus. So maybe, I mean, that can be applied to anything, whether that is with gold or diamonds, yeah. or whether that is with ideas and wisdoms, or whether that is with moments with people that we love. And this is that very existential concept of temporality or mm, time. Yeah, yeah. Life is valuable and meaningful. And, okay, so this reminds me of compliments. Okay? Yes. So where women are inundated with constant compliments from men, they kind of see it as a burden. Whereas a man, if you ask any man what compliments he's ever had... He'll probably be able to tell you, because we as men, we just don't really get compliments. Hey, nice shoes, nice haircut. Hey, you're working out, you're looking big. We remember when somebody mentions anything like that to us. So, where to a woman, a compliment can just see a burden, they tend to never give them out. Whereas a man who always put out as people we put out what we need so we're putting out compliments usually means that there are compliments that needs to be received as well how with that aspect it was beautifully described as how can you describe what dying of thirst feels like when they're drowning in water mm-hmm. and it's it's that it's that thing as well so two women compliments hold no value they're seen as a burden when men full-on crave them because they hardly ever receive them so it's the same thing it's the same it's a compliment but to a half of the population that thing can be seen as a burden whereas to the other half of the population it's craved so meaning is not just inherent so we don't so each item each object each experience each idea each compliment Mm. it's not the essence of that which holds its entire meaning but it's how it is experienced and the same thing can be experienced very very differently depending on the person's experience of life where they are how much quantity is an interesting one to come up today yes okay so for the last couple of minutes how do you feel when somebody gives you a compliment i think it really depends on the person Hmm. giving it to me what i believe their intention behind that interaction that compliment that that sharing of a sentence means what their intention is and i think what it connects with me in that moment. If I'm feeling particularly ugly and I got a compliment about beauty, that would connect differently compared to if I was feeling fine. And, you know, so I think also when when compliments, and I guess we can extend this into the wider understanding, not just compliments, but when concepts, when ideas resonate with something in us, that might be missing or lacking or seeking answers, that's when it can be especially powerful. So you started this off by saying, you know, can I relate to that experience of having a lot of things to achieve, always being busy but feeling like I'm achieving nothing? 
and because that is something that really connects with me now in this moment it feels very meaningful conversation in comparison to if my answer was nah <laughs> nah I can't nah. and then none of nah. this conversation would have happened true okay bye <laughs> bye